Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. It's very, very exciting indeed. Talk of people getting off the rails and all sorts. And it's Friday night. John Gibbons, you are Mr. Friday night. <laughs> I, speaking I, I, about I, the rails. And you must, be, you must be intimidated by this chat at the stage of the I evening. I mean, to be honest, for me at this stage, the rails are a distant memory. Like, I'm aware there's rails somewhere, but I can't even reach them to hold on. Uh, yeah, it's it's the rails are terrifying at this stage. It's, it's, it's like a it's like a, uh, a train with three coaches and uh, basically we're all off those rails. It's yeah, I hope my missus isn't listening to this. <laughs> by the way. Um, well, very much so. Uh, but you know, Cope, you are also Paul Cope. You're also off the rails. Absolutely, and 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 happy to be so. I think. Uh, oh yeah, it's underrated. I think that's the conclusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people yeah. whisper, people talking hushed whispers. Oh, he's off to rest. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely great. Yeah. Uh, all right then. Uh, take, if you take anything from this show, uh, from the Anfield up this week, you want to get off the rails. It's a fabulous <laughs> weekend in Liverpool. The Reds aren't even playing Saturday. You may as well just go out Friday night, Saturday night, and see how you feel Sunday morning, uh, and go from there. But we'll start off talking about Huddersfield and the Huddersfields and what you can take from the Huddersfield game. Because John, we did the post-match show straight afterwards, and at that time, you're thinking just about that game but not about the sort of the wider knock-on effect, the wider things that it points to, leads to, etc., etc. There's loads of little bits in there, I think. You know, when you bear in mind how many sides we're going to play, we're going to be similar, if not the same, as Huddersfield. Loads of little things the manager may well have sort of logged and gone, you know what, I'm happy how that worked. Yeah, I think he'd be particularly happy with the midfield um, because a few people were looking at it and thinking, oh, it's, it's not very inspiring, you know, it's a bit more workmanlike, is it? Is it is there enough pace there? You know what I mean. It's it was it's it's a few solid lads, isn't it? But it but it controlled the game. It worked very well, and it gave a platform for those attacking three to to prosper. And I think going to Huddersfield, I think you know being sometimes being patient isn't the worst thing in the world. And we've got into this team for its swashbuckling style and its ability to tear teams apart, and 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 that's been really good fun. But also on in times, it's it's. Looked like you did against West Brom, where you're like, "What on earth's going on?" The, you know, the the far too open. There's there's gaps everywhere, and it just it just kind of looks a bit of a mess. And so, I think he'll be looking at James Milner, for example, as someone who he, I I expect him to use quite a bit away from home in the league this season. I think um, I don't think you necessarily play in Europe or or home games were expected to win, but I think in in league games away from home, he'll be looking at him as as someone who he can use quite a bit. I thought Emery Chan in a more advanced position worked really well. He obviously gets his goal, but he's 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 generally in the game a lot um, and, and Henderson was was a real plus point coming back from injury uh, hitting the ground running so strongly and putting in a, 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 a eye catcher performance and so I think I think that'll really please him it's, it's a clean sheet we didn't keep a clean sheet at all in January and so uh, apart from this game so to, to get to get that one and to, to look more solid but still score three goals I think um, yeah plenty of positives On our review showing to a player Paul I, I sort of said oh, I don't feel like Henderson and Chan start that many games together and Andrew Beasley uh, brilliant status that he is leapt into action and he put a little graph thing together which uh, which made clear that so far this season I think I counted through and it's only 13 games out of the 30 odd that we've played that Chan and Henderson have both started together and a lot of people are desperate to sort of put them in opposition to each other so they both can't play together and I thought that was a real example of how much, not just that they, they can both coexist in the same side but that they can really dovetail quite nicely at times Henderson passing it into Chan's path knowing he can bomb on knowing someone can sit I, I, that was one of the main things I took from the game 
Yeah, I've, I've since coming off the rails, I've had some moments of clarity. So I've got I've got some theories for you today. Can't wait! Come on, and, and one, and one, one of them is one of them is Henderson and Chan thing. If we're being nice to our footballers, which I think is what Liverpool Football Club is all about these days, <laughs> just being nice to our footballers, we should sell Chan to Benitez and Henderson to Rogers. And that's how you get the best out of them. Because Emery Chan needs to be told by a manager, you're not a number six. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant footballer, but he's not a number six. And Henderson is the opposite. Klopp's desperate to make him a number six, and he should be playing further forward. So, yeah, they can play brilliantly together in a team. But I think you're always going to compromise one of them. Does that make sense? Whichever one is playing six, you're not going to get the best out of. The best we've ever seen Jordan Henderson is further forward. Mm. And I've I've been saying for a while now. Exactly that. I mean, I wonder, wonder though, Paul, with the injuries that that he's had, whether he's actually capable of playing that more more advanced role, which I think does involve more running. The sixth role, obviously, you know, to an extent, you you anchor things a little bit and you you spread the play and I think he's good at that. Jordan Henson's a good footballer. I know we we get stick on this this show. I'd say he's a very, very good footballer. Yeah, and Klopp Klopp himself this week has gone to war um, over, over over people's perceptions of of Jordan Henderson, um, but there's no two ways about it. In terms of fitness levels and, and injuries over the last two to three years, he's had a really rough time. The heel injury took loads out of him. I think took a yard of pace, and I'd like to see him back in that role further forward. I mean, he was basically the fourth forward behind Sterling, Suarez, and Sturridge in, in 2013, which is why he got six or seven goals and. There was one there was one against Swansea, which was practically like a rugby union try, but he sort of forced it over the line. Yeah. But you're not going to see him in those positions playing where he is as a six, and I think he's got the ability to do that. Um, and it's interesting there, though, that you know on um, on Tuesday night that they dovetail quite well, and it looked like a partnership, and that's great. And you, you, Neil, you say there about you know you can envisage them playing together. Well, maybe in that case, if we like Henderson, we should have made more of an effort to keep to keep Henry Chan because he's going. Yeah, I'm sure he can play with someone else. Yeah, he can sort of, he can sort of that with someone else. I mean, that's the that, yeah, that, play, that's the bad thing. But I think between now and the end of the Rafa. season, but between now and the end of the season, John, I you know it's something that you can you, when you were saying before about the midfield, you can you can see how that can function for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think look, if people would say want to say to me that Emery Chan doesn't want to play with Anderson, well, he looked he looked perfectly happy in midweek. You know, he looked he looked. Getting the ball early, yeah, stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, just, just looked liberated to me. He was getting about the pitch. He was looking to attack. I mean, he gets his goal, which always helps any footballer. I think, you know, your yeah. tail's going to be up when you've when you've rifled one in from outside the box, albeit with a little nick. But I think, you know, he's, he's he looked to be, like, perfectly happy to, to, to have a bit of kind of less pressure on. I think I think taking Wijnaldum out was right. I thought he has, he's, you know, he's, he hasn't had a great, a great little time. He plays really well against Manchester City, which he always seems to, but apart from that, not in the best form. But I thought I thought the three of them did really well and, and, and have, have given, certainly, the manager a real option uh, away from home in the league. Uh, next one on the line uh, that struck me, Mike, was was Mane seemed to be seemed again seemed to be higher up the pitch, seemed to be mm-hmm. playing more like like a forward, more like he's trying to get in at times, almost like a central striker. Yeah, and I do wonder if this season the managers had one eye on, you know, can he be a bit more of an attacking midfielder for me? Whereas, I, you know, one of the things I take from that game is. Just let him play. Just let him play yeah. as high up the pitch as possible. Liberate him completely. Push high and let him play high. I think. I think the thing about Mane is that he he's unselfish in the sense that he, he he's willing to come deep and get the ball and attack from deeper positions. But I don't think it's his forte because he's got incredible pace. He's very very direct. 
Um, and his ideal position for me is the, is the position that he scored that great goal against Manchester City, just on the edge of the penalty area. That's where all strikers op- operate. You can't be any further than forth- any further forward than that because you're liable to be offside. That's the danger territory. And what Liverpool, when Liverpool are at the best and in games where they've got the license to play and they've got a little bit of space, it's the interchange in between Firmino, who nominally operate the central position, and Mane swapping and Salah moving across the line and always coming in on, on on his left foot from the right-hand side that gives Liverpool this fluid three that can cause opposition's absolute nightmares. And if we can just go back to one point that John made there about Wijnaldum, I expect to see Wijnaldum play tomorrow because he it, it, the game is tailored. It, it's yeah. a typical Wijnaldum game. He always plays well in, in late games against good opposition at Anfield when there's a bit of a noise. Um, and I could probably name six or seven examples, but equally I could name six or seven examples where he just does absolutely nothing. He's completely invisible, and that's either on a quiet day at Anfield or away from or There's, away from home. I'd argue the six or seven examples from this season, yeah, that, yeah, not just yeah. across his two yeah, seasons. Yeah, and that sort He's of really hard to work out. And you know, you, you, that might be deemed a criticism. I actually find it just more interesting, to be honest with you, because I'd I'd love to get to the, to the bottom of it. Isn't this funny? Because I actually don't think he is hard to figure out. I remember having an argument to people before we signed, and people like, well. He scored 11 goals at home last and season. None. He didn't score away from home. And I was like, and he's done the same as well, we'll just play him at home. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't got a midfielder who's scoring 11 goals at home. So just play him at home in big games. Yeah. Done. Well, but the on arch that, pragmatist there, Cope. <laughs> but, but on that, that, I mean, that throws open. That, you know, there's 13 games to go, Paul. And 10 of those ten of those games are against the bottom 11, the current bottom 11 uh, this season. And it's easy to focus on the Spurs game that's coming. And then we've got United in March. Second to last game of the season against Chelsea. So it feels further away. But you can we can get all completely het up that they absolute defining factors the reality is that if we win our 10 games against the bottom 11 that are left that's 80 points now we won't do that because football's football mm. uh, but it is you know ensuring how we get as much of them as as much out of those games as humanly possible if you know that's what's going to actually make the difference on this on this top four thing yeah and one of those things is and it sounds flippant this but I, don't play Gini and Alderman don't play him it, it, that midfield against those defences just doesn't work. And go, like going back to my theories off the rails and stuff, I was th- I had a moment of clarity this week and thought, look at our last twenty games, and this you can either look at this positively or negatively. I don't think they're that different, all of them. Take out the City game because it's a bit of an anomaly because you're not going to play t- games like that. Swansea and Huddersfield, the difference between those two games is they they both get one chance. Swansea score, Huddersfield don't. And then against Huddersfield, we scored a goal from the edge of the box. And after that, everything seems great. I watched the first half an hour of that game again before. It's absolutely no difference to Swansea. We didn't do anything. Mm. Nothing. They had a chance from 10 yards out and hit it straight at our keeper. Not in the bottom corner. That's it. That's the difference. And it, 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 it sounds... It's, and, and, it's easy to say, but... Yeah, and then, the, the and point is, the take your chances. Re- it's, and, yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that, that, that defines football matches, yeah, doesn't 100%. it? But, but then... What happened and where Liverpool are weak against Swansea City is is that when that happens and they concede, they have this inability to to actually do what they did against Huddersfield for the rest of the game. So, and this all points to that mental frailty that people have been going. Yeah. People have been going on this about this mental frailty of the players under Jurgen Klopp ever since he came in, haven't they? They said there's no character, there's no bottle, um, and I, and I'll 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 go to the I'll go to the well with this one. It's the manager's responsibility responsibility to address mental frailty, to either boost up those lads to to improve that mental attitude, or to ship them out and get lads in who've got it innate. 
Um, I think he knows that's his job. Like. I think absolutely, absolutely. Um, and but but when when criticism falls on players, and let's face it, there are tar- that the, there are targets for this, this abuse that I don't have to I don't have to name. Everyone knows who we're talking about, and yet most of them are either still playing or still at the club. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's, he's going to have to make a decision on, on on a few going forward in terms of in terms of the inconsistencies, and that's the biggest difference between coming third and fourth okay. and coming and coming first totally. and second is the is the not not what not what your best performance is. It's how many of them you can deliver totally. in the season. Totally. And I think I think with with a lot of these lads we've talked about, you know, every chance, um, Gina Ronaldo, um, Dejan Lovren, yeah, De- Love, Lovren, um, even arguably Henderson, who we've been talking about as well. It's okay. Well, how many? We, we know you, what your great performances looks like. How many of those can you deliver in a season? I think this is it. I, I, I told, and, and I think this is the definition of a quality player. Every single player in the world has an off day. Even Messi, Messi has an off day. I know they're really few and far between. The definition of a quality player who can is someone who can deliver nine times in ten. The definition of a good player is someone who can deliver seven and seven times in ten, and the definition of an average player is somebody that does that five times out of ten. And we've got too many players who look great half the time and look terrible half the time. And that's that, that. That I, as I say, I think they're all good footballers. Don't get me wrong. And on any given day, you could scout any of them and think, mm. do you know what? He's a great. He's a great lad. In and then you can speak to him and think, do you know what? He's intelligent and he's got the right attitude as well. But ultimately, the only test cases out on the field, and, I, and particularly at Anfield, I think, in front of that crowd. But it's also the way in which they work together, Paul, and that's one of where we started on this one, because the, my difference between Swan- Swansea and Huddersfield is how quickly Liverpool move the ball. There's, it's a noticeable difference, and you can say it's just confidence, but I don't think it is. I think it's players working in harmony with each other and, and, and being quick. And, yeah, almost certainly there is a confidence factor, but I think it's more than just that. I think, it's, I think it is a tactical thing, and, and it's about how people slot into what their role actually is and not trying to make them do something that's alien to them or trying to get them to play with someone who just doesn't suit them. I think that's right, but but I also think it comes down to players themselves. And the, there's there's no denying, for all the people who hate him, as, as Mike was saying earlier, you put Jordan Henderson in your midfield, he comes on against West Brom, what's the first thing he does? He starts passing the ball forward early. That's what he does. Quickly, first touch, one touch passes. All of a sudden, you're watching our midfield playing one touch passes. And that just doesn't happen when it's Chan and Wijnaldum in there. It just doesn't happen. They're chewing the ball and chewing the ball and you can't afford to have that. Once you've got, you've got Henderson on the pitch, he, whether people like this or not, he makes those around him look better. Going back to the, the playing with Chan point, with, when Henderson's not there, no one's drilling the ball into Chan's feet. No one else is doing that. And all of a sudden, that is the one difference actually from Huddersfield to Swansea. Even Matip, noticeably after two minutes, was drilling the ball through midfield. And that was an instruction, clearly. Okay, this is the Anfield Wrap. Uh, Neil Atkinson, Paul Cope and Mike Nevin and John Gibbons. Uh, In a minute or two, we're going to have a chat about our Moments in Time project. It is the Anfield Rap Radio City Talk, Paul Cope, Mike Nevin and John Gibbons. Really pleased to have John with us today. I want to talk about the projects he's been working on for the last few weeks and months for the Anfield Rap. Uh, his Moments in Time project, the first of which was about the day in which Kenny Dalglish resigned as Liverpool manager in 1991. And John, uh, trying to give a quick pressy of it to people who are listening who may not have heard it yet. Yeah, so the idea is that it's... It's eyewitness accounts of, of big moments in Liverpool's history. So, obviously, uh, you guys, I mean, you and Mike who are in the room, uh, do a great job of, of telling the stories of these these seasons that we do on, on, on Tour Player, um, what we call history, and they're really great. But I, I had the idea that I'd like to just get on the, under the fingernails, if you like, of, of, of certain days, certain incidents. Uh, might, it might be a game of football, it might be a transfer, or it might, in this case, be a resignation, and, and just get the stories of the people who were there at the time. Because I know... 
a lot of the people who listen to the Anfield Rap are either younger fans, um, a lot of people who work for the Anfield Rap are kind of are younger fans, and also around the world, people who might have got into Liverpool more recently. Um, you know, spoke to one guy who's over from America at the moment who only started supporting us in 2013 14, and so you know, people who might have heard these stories but won't know too much about them. So rather than our voices, it's the voices of, of people who've who were around. So uh, for the Kenny one, for example, we've got uh, a couple of players, uh, Bruce Gobelard and Glenn Hussein, who was, who was captain uh, in the four-all game two days before the resignation. We've got uh, lots of journalists who work in the patch uh, at the time, uh, guys like Brian Reed, who was at the Echo, and also Henry Winter, who wrote his autobiography. So he's spoke to Kenny about about this probably more than more than anyone because what you get from that is Kenny doesn't really talk about it. Um, um, family members got Kelly Cates to do, which was really generous of her, um, and then fans as well because obviously the Anfield Rap will always be a, a fan led organisation. So why would you tell any story? about Liverpool's history without involving fan voices as well. So Mike uh, kindly got involved, uh, guys like Rob Gutman and really good writers like John Machen and Kev Samo, who have been season ticket holders since... Um, the well, ASOS. Yeah, before I was born. So so got a lot of passion in there. Uh, people were really generous with themselves, with, with what they gave, and it's come together really nicely. Um, I surprised myself, <laughs> um, to be I honest mean, with you. I mean, in fact, I haven't listened to it in full yet, purely because I want to sit down and enjoy yeah. it and have time, but it's... It, I, I've listened to, listened to some of it, and it's it, the production of it is is absolutely outstanding. It really is, and you know you can have the voices are great. I mean that goes without saying, but the way that it's produced, it's it, I mean it's it's top quality audio basically, in, in my opinion, and uh, certainly privileged to have been a very small part of it. Um, and it was interesting that John talked about younger people that um, that wanted to learn about that. But it's not just younger people. My dad texted me saying he'd listened to it. And my dad, my dad was 70 a few weeks ago and just said how much he'd enjoyed it and how it reminded me yeah. of, of something that was, was very, very sad. And, you know, sort of cataclysmic, really, for Liverpool. Because, in my opinion, we've never quite recovered from Dalglish resigning. And we've never quite re- recovered from Hillsborough, which was the catalyst of Dalglish's resignation. Um, and I've written something to sort of bolster John's incredible piece of work there today, which will be out on the site when I can find some internet connection. Um, before I, I I go back off the rails, <laughs> John. The cataclysmic part is the bit which I think I think it's put over really well. I think it's two things. It's, it's it's a love letter, not not by you, and that's what's really interesting, but by the contributors towards Kenny, and that includes the journalists as well. Yeah. that's the first thing that it is, and the second thing that it is is that it it, it it really throws into focus the idea that this was in insofar as and it's a different time with the way in which football's discussed back then, but like you know in a nationwide sense, this was huge and cataclysmic and and, and wrecked everyone's head. Yeah, just to touch on your first point, I came away from all these interviews, and I think I said it to you quite a few times, like, these people just adore Kenny Dagalish, like, they absolutely adore him, and you expect that from supporters, like, I know Rob Gutman loves Kenny, you know what I mean, but, and I know Mike does, but, you know, you go and see Clive Tilsley, and he just thinks he's brilliant, and not just him, but Marina Dagalish is brilliant, and the whole family are great, yeah. and he's just, they just think he's the greatest man who's ever walked mm-hmm. the planet, and they might have a point, and, and, you know, all that, Henry Winter just has done two books with him, and, and Henry Winter must have met and interviewed every every football manager, you know, a notable one in, in in the country, if not across Europe as well, and just you know thinks thinks the absolute world of the man. And 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 when when it's laid out in terms of what what he did for the football club and the city, um, 
you know, it's it's kind of hard to argue with really, and it's laid out really well. As you say, in other voices, I barely talk on it, and and that's the way I'd like them all to be really, because because it's people telling they're they're telling the stories, and it's it's lovely, it's heartwarming, and uh, and yeah, and but there's, there's hopefully new stuff in there for everyone as well. Even even people like Mike says you kind of live through it because the people maybe told are happier to tell stories now with with a bit of yeah, with a bit of distance. Yeah, and, what, and what Kelly says uh, at the end uh, not to give too much away is that she feels like she can be more open about it now because because kenny went back and it finishes with kenny going back and and that lovely moment and yeah yeah, she says it's it's closure for him now and Mm. so they can and he he won a trophy and he won a trophy yeah yeah it was a nice way to bookend things i I just want to make one p one point about um about it and that that I've, I've actually mentioned this in, in my piece today, which incidentally I wrote in the beehive in town, and it took me 45 minutes, 1,000 words, the quickest article I've ever read. Cause it, was all, <laughs> it was all in there. It was triggered by a glass of wine, I must say. But um, the thing, when Dalgleish was a player, I, I, I mean, I, I remembered him in his first his first part of his Liverpool career as as a very young lad of 11 and 12 and then I sort of grew up, grew up with him and when Liverpool do the double ultimately in, in 86 I'm, I think I'm 17 or 18 um, but in, in, in 84, 85 and you see you're seeing this dying light basically of Kenny Dalglish and you're thinking you know time's catching up with him and he's not going to be here forever and then they pull this masterstroke of making a manager and you think do you know what we've got him forever now because we, we've had Shankly, we've had Paisley, and we've had Fagan, and they go on till they're 65. So at the age of 35, I'm envisaging 30 more years of being able to lay my eyes on Kenny Dalglish from the cop. Or he'll have a trackie on instead of the, of the of, of the red kiss. He might, eventually he'll have his book. I'm spoiling my article here for everyone. You, might, you won't have to read it now. So this this notion that we were going to see Dalglish for the rest of our lives, basically, was just so comforting. And there and therein lies the tragedy, really, is that we only we, we only got um, six years years of him as manager, and that's why you know it's it's so important that he got the chance to come back, albeit for for two years. And uh, I'm still sad about the way he was treated at the end. I think uh, the way that he was fired after winning our last trophy was a disgrace. Um, how do people listen to it? You can go to theanfieldrap.com. Uh, it's the feature story on there. There's a there's a player on there that IT Matt's built. So you just have to press play, or you can listen to it through the, through our app. So there's a um, you know tour tour subscribers. So if you subscribe to tour play, it'll be there. It'll be there ready for you to, to listen to. Or if you don't, but you want to listen to it through, through an app, it's on iTunes and all that, and and through all the podcast apps that people listen to it. So do, do give a listen and do also share it amongst people because uh, we were we're keen to get it out there as much as possible, not just because it's um, because because it's we really we're really proud of it and we think it's really good and people enjoy it. But also we're keen this year to kind of, and this is a bit, a bit behind the fourth wall, but in terms of just to show off more what kind of what groups of fans can do. And I think there's sometimes uh, an idea that oh fan 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 content is is you know people shouting outside um, stadiums just after the games that the manager's got to go and it's all a bit kind of bedroom and it's all thrown together and it's all ranty whereas there's no reason why groups of supporters be that us or, or any of the other fantastic uh, fan media groups around the country um, can't put together stuff like yeah, this basically, I mean, it, to me it's like a documentary more than that is, it is a documentary and, and, and 
I mean, I'm just I'm fascinated on what to know what's coming next because I mean, as a concept, you played a coy John. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry it, but I mean, I, I think part. Of, I don't have to worry it. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. John, um, John is, you know, because he feels as though he's not half gone big and heavy on the first yeah, one. He's yeah, he's definitely he's, he's gone in with the biggest. Honestly, um, the amount of people who message me saying, oh, "You've set the bar high here," and yeah, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I know." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't have to tell me, mate. Yeah. 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 All I can say, I'm is not sleeping it, nights. I should have done a genie when I was in a six out of ten earlier. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic if you can listen to it do do some moments in time and it isn't the last one hopefully there'll be six of them across the course of the year I will ruin that little bit for you yeah. uh, John's working really really hard on them I want to mention one more thing before we get to seven o'clock and then before we speak to Robin Byland from Sweden uh, about his support and past uh, there's a guy called Paul Rowe uh, who's got in touch with us and it's about his beloved flat iron f- uh, red flag which went missing from the flat iron on the day of the Man City game um, if it's 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 black it's red and uh, red and white uh, chevrons squares uh, like the, like the classic Croatia kit and it's got it's been it's been signed by uh, ex players and it's been all the way around Europe. If you know where it is, know anything about it, give us a shout uh, at the Anfield Raps Twitter and we'll uh, we'll put you in touch with Paul and sort that out. If we can get that back to him, that would be fantastic. This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talker. After the break, we're going to start to look ahead to Spurs and before then, we're going to have a quick trip to Sweden. It is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. We'll be back with Paul, uh, Mike and John in a minute or two. But earlier, well, yesterday, in fact, I spoke to Robin Byland uh, in a feature that we're going to start doing, which is looking at supporters clubs around the world and other supporter media from from around the world and tracing what their love of Liverpool comes from, stems from, and how it also gets uh, they get to demonstrate it as well. So I had a chat to Robin, and we also obviously got on to the Spurs game. It's LFC Podden. This is Robin Byland. Yep. Welcome back to Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson here with Robin Byland from LFC Podden in Sweden uh, and what we're going to try and do is between now and the end of the season look at the the different uh, ways in which Liverpool are supported around the globe take the opportunity to do so certainly uh, on occasional weeks and have those conversations really because for me one of the most interesting things having done the Anfield Rapids sort of seeing a diaspora of Liverpool supporters we're off to Sweden in a, in, a, in a few weeks and we will always report back but Robin what's the uh, what's the you, you know you've you, you, you've been doing the pod now for, for, for some time and what's the general sort of feeling in Sweden towards Liverpool I think I've, I'm of the view we're a very big club there, and that, that that Swedish football very much revolves around the Premier League, and 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 Liverpool are as big as anybody else. Yeah, um, just as you say, first and foremost, uh, Premier League in general uh, is huge in Sweden. When uh, when first football came to the televisions, it was English football, and that was pretty much what you could watch um, a game every now and then, uh, once a month or some uh, something. Uh, we have the supporters of. Uh, Wolves, Ipswich, uh, and of course Liverpool was huge uh, in the in the 70s and 80s uh, when this really uh, triggered and took um, t- took took down to the general public um, in terms of that. And of course with the the success that Liverpool team had, um, and then also um, if we look back to the to the late 80s, early 90s uh, with Glenn Hussein uh, who came in. Liverpool uh, got something extra as well for Swedes, and at the moment now uh, we we've seen the the Manchester United in the nineties, uh, we've seen the Chelsea, the Manchester City, but as a as a supporters union, there's nothing that compares uh, to Liverpool in Sweden. 
what, what, why do you think that is? What do you think it is that sustains Liverpool in this sense? It's something I'm going to want to get to grips with as I'm talking to different people around this because as you just pointed out there, you know, Chelsea have won however many league titles since 2004. Uh, Manchester United have been successful, relentlessly successful really since 1992. Manchester City are on the scene now and yet wherever you go in the world and Sweden, yeah. you know, you're saying is another example of it. Liverpool remain uh, remain close to, to, to people's hearts and close to their consciousness as well. It's like there's two or three big clubs in England and, and Liverpool's seem to be perpetually one of them to everybody yeah and um it's i think the easy way to to put it is it's just what the club is about uh, the same things i think that that you see from a liverpool perspective and, and from from all over england uh with fans there and also for supporters uh, around the globe we've uh, we've haven't been spoiled uh with success on the pitch but there, there is something special, uh, the myth around the club, uh, did you never walk alone and all that. And, and it's very easy, I think, for supporters here. Uh, when you have the distance, you, you cannot go there every now and then. You cannot go every week. But, but to know uh, that, that all the atmosphere around it is that you're a part of my club. You're a part of this club. Uh, as, long as, as long as you share for us, you, you cry with us, uh, you're a Liverpool fan. And uh, it's I think you Liverpool fans in general, um, wherever I go and meet them as well, um, th- there's something special to it. Um, maybe also even more during the last couple of years where success on the pitch haven't been uh, as big as we've hoped. Um, there's, um, I think all of those off-the-pitch things have been even yeah, have have been even uh, bigger uh, to prove to other supporters, maybe as well, to show, uh, okay, we haven't won the title, but hey, we're Liverpool. We we gather five hundred people to watch a game together, have the beers, have a, have the laughters, which which you don't have. So uh, I think that's been a strength. Bit of strength, uh, sort of across Sweden in there and around Stockholm and places like that. On all of that, you know, you, it's very much a live thing, and, and this is what I want to put over it. It's not former glories, and right now, it's you know Liverpool have got an exciting side to watch. The frustrations, I'm sure, the same frustrations I had with Liverpool supporters everywhere around things like the the, the transfer window and how that's gone. But is there a yeah. is there a you know you're saying that there's numbers and numbers of people coming together to watch to watch Liverpool? Is there is there a genuine buzz about this season in Sweden? I think so, and I think it's been a, a general buzz uh, pretty much since uh, Jurgen Klopp came in. Um, a lot of Swedes have actually a, quite a close relationship to the German football as well. Um, okay, we, we, we like it uh, at least a lot. Uh, the, the structure, I think, everything around it. Uh, so uh, Jurgen Klopp was a, was a big name in Sweden as well. Um, I, I bet that eight out of ten probably was was standing up to to scream his name uh, when 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 Liverpool um, hired him. And um, no, it's it's been a big bust since Liverpool. But of course, as you say, the same frustration. Players, we we start to maybe reach that goal, maybe reach all the way to the top. Um, now we sold Coutinho and. Of course, you you've dragged between the highs and the lows, but but there is a bus uh, that which haven't been there. Um, of course, the 13-14 season aside, which was something extraordinary, but otherwise, I think this this Liverpool side with the type of players as well is uh, is a Liverpool side that 
a lot of fans uh, have taken to the heart. What's the looking forward then to this this game on on Sunday, which I'm sure will have them packed out in the bars that you go to because it's such a massive game. Yeah. What are you expecting from it from Liverpool? What you know? I'm going to ask you for a prediction, but I'm not going to ask you ask you for it straight away. <laughs> How are you expecting the game to play out? Um, to I I actually expect Jurgen Klopp to play it uh, the same way he's done um, nine out of ten times in those occasions. Uh, we saw we saw the Manchester City game at home. Uh, we would I, I think we'll see something like it. It it, it do scares me uh, because uh, I think we also uh, we all saw uh, how Spurs uh, took down Manchester United quite easy uh, when Mourinho for once didn't sit as low as he normally do. Um, we saw it at Wembley against Spurs on in the away game earlier. But I don't think we I don't think we, we have the nor the mentality or tactics to to go and sit deep and, and try to be calm. Um, it will be a it will be a party and a mess all over and <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll come out on top. It'll be a party and a mess indeed. Give me a prediction. <sighs> Uh, one one, and I'll be happy with that. One one, and you'll be you'll take the point. My word, Robin, come on, let's get some front foot in you. <laughs> let's give it the big one. Listen, it is fantastic to have Robin join us there from LFC Pod and at LFC Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find the Swedish Pod there. Uh, it is a pleasure to have him here. This is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. We'll be back just after this. Great to speak to Robin there. Uh, get back over in a second or two for Mike, Paul, and John. Uh, but before that, before then, these are on DMC, and this is Walk This Way. Mike Nevin, John Gibbons here with me to discuss the Reds bet specials this weekend in general, whatever you might be looking at. Uh, if you are going to gamble, uh, do so with Reds bet if you can for us. That'll be fantastic. And if you're not going to gamble, you're not going to gamble. Don't worry in the slightest. Uh, it's very much a personal choice and do so responsibly and enjoyably. And you've got your usual bet. You've just told me one of them's not yours. Liverpool versus Tottenham. Don't Sadio know where it Mar- came from. Sadio Mane to score a hat-trick, 100 to 1. Mane eater. <laughs> yeah, I've actually. Yeah, it's 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 a nice one, isn't it? But it's not my work. I can't claim, I can't plagiarise. Um, I've backed it. I've had a tenner on it. Um, it's a- probably bank- bankrupt my own company. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a fun bet, isn't it? That's the whole point of these specials. It's just about uh, you know, sort of having a, a wager on a on a big price if you want to. But if you want to make a more considered gamble and Liverpool to win or Spurs to win or whatever you think. Then you know every single okay. option is out there. Plus the horses and the snooker and the darts. It's all there. Um, Liverpool versus Tottenham. When Harry met Salah. Oh, like it. Is that what yours? Uh, sort of. I'm I'm outsourcing. Um, I'm, <laughs> Is it I, Maguire? I, it's Maguire. Hey! Cheers, Chris, if you're listening. Most Mo um, Salah yeah. to score from outside the box. It's a beauty, that isn't it? It is a beauty. When Harry met Salah. Yeah. Oh. What, what what are you doing on that? Uh, six to one. Six to one for Salah outside the box. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good bet. That. It's it's not think bad, think about the curlers against Everson. Loves the curler. The name but one. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, it's, that's actually become a trademark Salah goal, actually, yeah, that curling yeah. shot beyond yeah, the keeper. It's good that he has that. Yeah. It's like Messi's obviously got his thing that he does, and everyone goes, why Why the man won't stop Definitely. that? Definitely. And there's, the, do you know what? Yeah. I think there's nothing more... Uh, I love goalies, as as people will know uh, from listening to me on these shows, but uh, there's nothing better seeing a ball go beyond flailing arms. <laughs> um, you do love goalies, don't I you? Do. John hates them, you know, he thinks they're not proper footballers. No, well, I, I mean, that's I just true. Me, 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 so when Heaton says, "Hang on," when Heaton says stuff like, "I was like another sport," and blah blah blah, you go, "Yeah, it is yeah, a less yeah. good one." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I beg to differ. I, I think the world of goalkeeping is another sport. Agree with John there. I think it's a better one than the, than, than the fellas who uh, who can't pick it up. Resources are goalies. Yeah. So I, I have to say this. I mean, I'm literally in the goalkeepers' union. <laughs> was a, there was a funny thing the other day where 
Mark Schwartzer was saying that basically there's not enough people on on the radio or TV who know anything about goalkeeping. Yeah, totally and I thought agree. it was a, I thought it was a fair point until yeah. you realised that Mark Schwartz is on radio all the time. So you know, have a go yourself. Just trying to get his mates in. <laughs> and also, <laughs> and also what's a, so Schwartz therefore ruling him out of the the other ten footballers, and, and, and he's not allowed an opinion on them anymore. <laughs> Schwartz said, "Nah, I'm all right on them." Well, uh, he probably go. hasn't, but yeah, he should shut up about strikers <laughs> and fellas with left foot and right and right feet and all this. You know, yeah, definitely the, the good lads. Yeah, the, well, <laughs> not get me on this one, Neil. Stick with the keepers. Come on. Uh, well, uh, so we've got a spare tyre, uh, which is a goal between seventy-six and full time. More of a visual pun that one because tyre is spelt spare is spelt like spurs. Tyre is spelt like the things that go on your car. Oh, the tyring. Yeah, tiring. Tiring. so not, not like the things that go on your car. Sorry, yeah, that yeah, one. That one. That's one of mine. Though. Spare tyre. Uh, well, Please with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, 10 to 11 that'll be a goal between the 76th and uh, final whistle 76th minutes and the final whistle Klopp on top there again Liverpool to win to nil which is actually quite a little tempter I'd say well yeah because I mean if, and I think this is a really interesting thing about the, the match on uh, on Sunday is that last season I think Liverpool won 2-0 and the game was done and dusted in the first 20 Liverpool went out massive tempo blew spares away but Pochettino played a hugely high line and really played into Liverpool's hands it's circumstances that Liverpool do well in you know, like a high octane sort of late afternoon kickoff. Similarly on Sunday, um, I just feel that um, you know he might, he might be inclined to to be a little bit more um, prosaic and a little bit more defensive and not play that high line. I mean, you know, repeating mistakes is uh, is the definition of madness. Um, he's a good manager, as is our own manager, and I think I think it's an intriguing battle. Um, and, and I suppose that bet is uh, is set up all around now. I think there's one here which is I'm not tempted by. I'll be honest with you, Mike. Um, the, the perfect weekend, great weekend, horrible weekend. I don't mm. think any of them stand out to me because I just don't see any way on earth Everton get anything from Arsenal um, at all. Not so even not even a bit of a walk off factor. No, he scored really, two in the week. He I looked know. hungry. He enjoyed his goals as well. You know, yeah. I think and I think he. I enjoyed him enjoying his goals. Yeah, I think he celebrated if he scored, but I, I'm not. I just every aspect of it, it's one of them really where you, every now and again you think Everton might do do something for you and they and never it, do and you also see the stats of Everton away from home mm. the stats especially against the big clubs against yeah. the big clubs the stats of Everton away from home against the big clubs <laughs> where in against the current top six in the last however many and again, years I think, I think it's interesting took seventeen points from a possible one hundred and twenty eight yeah and and it is a shocking record and but you know equally if you're looking at it from 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 odds makers they 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 would oh, yeah. they, they would say you know that uh, things eventually level themselves out and you know that the law of averages says this that and at the so, other at some point they'll win point one they'll win one um, and i think john's point's really really good because you know everton have reinvested uh, during january and they they might get a little bit of a spare from from the sign and the walcott they got that immediate reaction uh, in midweek when he got the two goals um, so yeah, you know, and hopefully they can do us a favour because I think with Arsenal's Arsenal's capture of um, Aubameyang, I think that could reinvigorate their season as well. And they're not a million miles away from us. And the way that the, the results worked out in midweek, with um, obviously United losing at Spurs, it's brought everyone quite close together. So you've now got a legitimate battle between I think five clubs. Reasonably for three, for three places, and that makes it interesting. The league, the, the title itself, is settled for me. Um, you know, I don't think we'd be offering any, any odds on City, uh, but uh, Beth Fred will have paid out by now. Uh, but he would have done if he was a City fan. And um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, I, I, but it, it is. It, it's tight. It's tight at the top. It's and, tight. Uh, it's, yep. it, you know, there's. I think Liverpool got fourteen so, games to go. The great weekend: Liverpool win, Everton fail to win, United fail to win again. We were we were at Huddersfield, mm. and those lads running around Old, Old Trafford. Well, it, I am. I've got to be honest. Well, I'm there's going. A, there's a there's a decent price on that. I think. You, yeah. you, oh you, yeah, you, yeah. Forget you, that. You, it's twelve you, to one. You can see huge. that, and it's um, 
you know, I mean, I, I can't see Huddersfield getting much at, uh, at Old Trafford on Saturday. They were abject against Liverpool, they really were. I think they're suffering hugely from that sort of second half of the season syndrome that these promoted clubs get. They have that bounce at the start. Stops um, being fun. It, well, it does, doesn't it? And it didn't look fun between 45 yeah, and 64 of them. I was actually um, at a, a Huddersfield fans uh, trust meeting last night, and they're all, you know, sort of resigned to going down. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Because, you know, they're, they're not sort of enjoying it at the moment. They're not used to losing because they've been doing well in recent seasons. And it's taken a toll on their on, the, on their outlook and their enjoyment of, of their match day, which is, I found really interesting. It is indeed. And the perfect weekend is Liverpool win, Everton lose, Man United lose. That's 40-1. to 1. Would be huge if it happens. If you're looking for the best one of them, it's probably a great weekend. Liverpool win, Everton fail to win, and Man United fail to win at 12-1, to 1, where obviously we all want the Reds to win. Don't fancy Everton at Arsenal and United. If Huddersfield could could be in with a shout on seventy, you never know. You never know. They could just hang on in there. Yeah. You enjoying it, the job? Love it, absolutely loving it. Yeah, and and it's all about really. Um, I wouldn't take the job. It's about the values, really, about the community, the the way that we can potentially put money back into football fans' causes. I mean, that is the the essence of it. Fifty percent of net profits back into football fans' causes. If I can just speak of one case, um, yeah, of course, where we've got. Uh, a trust signed up. It's the Sheffield United Supporters Trust and because they've engaged with us and, and they want to partake in what we're doing, they've already identified two main beneficiaries for money that we can raise for them out of their losses, basically. You know, if they win, they win. If they lose, then the, the, any losing bets go into a fund directed to Sheffield United causes. And the two causes that, they, that they've identified are tickets for underprivileged children in Sheffield to go to their first ever Sheffield United game free tickets that would be so that kids would be paid to get tickets who would ordinarily not be able to go because their families can't afford it and alongside that they've got what I think is a fantastic initiative which is to restore former players graves that have fallen into disrepair so you know age old blades heroes yeah um and really really sad you know football play footballers weren't paid great amounts of money their families never became millionaires uh, in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, even the 70s. So their their initiative with that is to um, is to do exactly that to repair and restore uh, former players' graves to to what they what they deserve to be really. Excellent. Okay. Well, if you fancy it this weekend, if you haven't yet opened an account, and as I say, if you are somebody who enjoys a week by week flutter, uh, RedsBet.com. Uh, thanks very much to Mike. Uh, we'll get back over and get on with the rest of the show. That's Run DMC uh, with Aerosmith. Uh, I'm with Walk This Way. Uh, I've got Paul. I've got Mike, and I've got John in front of me. I want to talk about. I want to talk about Spurs. Like lots of talk recently. Um, you mentioned trophies before the before we went to the break, uh, Mike. Before mm-hmm. seven o'clock. And there's a lot of talk at the minute as though Champions League qualification and trophies are in opposition, as though you've got to pick one or the other. No. And to me, it's the it's the biggest load of nonsense. The, 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 the facts of the matter are literally borne out by every side that's won trophies, won more than one trophy from the last 10, 15 years. Has also qualified for the has Champions Has also been League. quite consistently qualifying yeah. for the Champions League and has and has often done so for a while. Yeah. And that is, you know, you, you just almost pick up the domestic cups almost mm. by accident, if you mm. know what I mean. Suddenly mm. you find you've got a good squad of players, you, you, you're interchanging them because you want to keep them fit and fresh. Before you know where you are, you're in the semi-finals of the League Cup. Yeah. And if you've still got a good squad of players, you'll manage to do that and yeah, finish and it's, the four. And it's, about, it's about being able to, to rotate across the, 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 two, the two things, you know, Europe and and the league and and having enough resources at your disposal and 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 not weakening yourself unnecessarily and if you if you do weaken yourself then you know sort of re-strengthening um, and ultimately I mean I'll give you two sort of recent examples of where we've done that well I mean two thousand and one when we did the treble we also came third in the league under Julio and qualified for the Champions League the following season 
We came second in 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 the uh, in the league, and we got to the quarterfinals of the European Cup. And we're arguably pretty unlucky to go out. Could potentially have reached the final, and then you move that on one era uh, into Rafa Benitez's reign, and one season apart. We did that. We, we competed in the Champions League and qualified quite comfortably um, on a, on a, a number of occasions. Whilst on in pretty much every season, bar 2006, when we went out in the last 16. But they won the FA Cup that year. And well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's yeah, still, so there's still, I'd, I'd still actually, games. I'd, I'd actually forgotten about that. Yeah. And um, and then yeah, 2006. So we we dis- maybe we we don't dispense with the European Cup, but we go out of it relatively early in, in February. So you you know you make a reconcerted effort to win the FA Cup, which you do. And and then 2007, we get to Athens, um, and we we, we uh, finish comfortably in in, in in I think fourth that season. Uh, 2008 again, uh, I think it's um, another semi final and a, and a third place finish. 2009. We're second, we're a whisker away from the league title. And quarter-finals. And a quarter-final. And only really in the last year when we were we were forced into buying the likes of uh, Sotirios Kyriakos. Um, are, are we not capable of that and the wheels but, fall off in but that? But we also still get to the terrible. semi-finals of the Europa League and only lose that in, in extra yeah. time. And the, yeah. My point on this, Paul, is that even when you're doing less well, so Manchester United the last two, three seasons have been doing less well, mm-hmm. but you end up still with a bank of quality players. Not everyone leaves the minute you don't qualify or anything like that. As soon as it goes wrong, not everyone gets off. You end up still with, 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 a, with a quality squad. And that's one of the reasons why, even though, as I say, they haven't been in the last two or three years, and obviously the other commercial revenue they get, but they haven't been regular participants in the Champions League, Manchester United. What they have been able to do is is look at the players that, that rely on those. A lot of those players who succeeded for them under Ferguson and still be able to get to the get, go deep in competitions well, and remain and won, remain active. They won three cups in two seasons. United. That, that's won, my point. They won the FA Cup. Um, the, and, and the Europa, Europa League, League. League Cup. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I wrote something on this on this this weekend, and my over, my overall, I think some people got the wrong end of the stick of what I was saying. I think they thought I meant we should kick people on the pitch more, which I didn't. M- my point is, I think we're not aggressive as in, uh, enough as a club anymore, from top to bottom, and I yeah. include the fans in this. I think we're all totally. we've all become too too happy. Even the Joe, six clubs into four thing that's become a thing. Why? No one's no one's putting Man City in that anymore. Everyone's like, well, City, and then everyone else. Well, why not us? Why not us and City and everyone else? Why why are we talking about being in a fight with Arsenal for the top four? That we're not in a fight with them. Forget about them. Why with you, hundred percent. Why are we Mike talking? Was he was wrong. Go on. Why are we talking about anything other <laughs> than looking up? I, I think it's it's sort of being fed in over a number of years now. This whole like idea that. Well, you can't do this and you can't do that, and that might. I know that, that, touching on transfers, but it's absolutely ludicrous to me that as a club, we're easier to tap up for our best player than RB Leipzig. Mm-hmm. RB Leipzig. I've ne- I'd never heard of them until a year ago. Never heard of them, and we're easier to take the best player off than they are. And we already own the lad who we're trying to get. We're just I, all of this feeds into the same thing of aggression. We should be doing more. We should be saying, no, we're not in a battle for the top four. We're trying to win the league. That's it. We're trying to win cups. That's it. This is look, pulling it into the game. Yeah, this just a, a polite, polite. I mean, in what sense was I wrong? You said that we should be winning about Arsenal, and that it's it's, it's no, it's, 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 you did you did in part one. No, I, mean, I mentioned the fact that there's a there's a battle going there's on. There's a battle there. going on. Yeah, but for, the, know, the, for the, these people, for these people who fixate over fourth place, yeah, yeah, I but couldn't be bothered. Well, I but couldn't be but you were saying that you were saying that Arsenal can still finish fourth. I'm yeah, not of course they can. Yeah, yeah, but they're not finishing ahead of us, Mike. They're rubbish. They may or not be, but they. I'm all about Kopi's aggression, Mike. Forget them. We've done them. They're finishing over. Well, I'm giving you my aggression now. Could be could be on this for some time. Uh, okay, I want to get off. Come on. <laughs> Outside now, Atkinson. Uh, 
what I'd say is this is the battle we're in it with with Spurs, John and Spurs. I think we should be saying the same things that we are about looking up. They've just beaten United this week, and they've not just beaten United, but they outclassed them over the course of the ninety minutes. And we can fixate on oh no, what's going on behind us and all of that sort of stuff, or we can see every single game as an opportunity to look upwards. And I think that Tottenham are in a very similar boat. Around this time last season, they won twelve consecutive games, so they proved that you can do the thing even I said you couldn't do before, which is win all ten against the poorer sides. They did it last season, and that's I, I think us and Tottenham. Are dead interesting in this and that we're the ones who were trying to break in to having this bank of really really good players so you're always reliable you're always from foot and I think that this this game on Sunday is about that and about who's going to do that better yeah it's a huge game of football and it's going to be an exciting one and I I think Liverpool will will play well it'll just be you have to see kind of what Tottenham turn up really and, and the Tottenham that have, have generally turned up to Anfield haven't 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 been too impressive. He is an interesting manager because he still hasn't won any, won anything and but but he's but he's generally seen as 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 as, as a good manager and, and kinda of why not why not at the moment but at some point they need to really prove or 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 if he feels like Tottenham's holding him back and let's be honest Tottenham earn hundred million pounds less a year than Liverpool do. So if yep. one of them is underachieving then it's us. But but if he might he might decide he needs to go away but it's a, it's a talented group of players. It's it's a Tottenham team that the fans enjoy. But at some point, you've got to you've got to match that with Silverway, and you've got to say, yeah, remember that great Tottenham team who won this, 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 and this. Yeah, and, totally. and, and at the and, moment, and, then and, they haven't and got Spurs that. fans are entitled to to ask the same questions as we as Liverpool fans should be asking. Yeah. You know, where's our trophies? Where's our trophies? Where's our leagues? Where's our cups? And and as Gibbo points out, there we're spending more than than they are. I'm certainly earning more. <laughs> yeah, but that's this. But how you get them is by having the back because it's a, the last last ten years. So the the period of time that you've just gone through, fifteen years since 0304, since yeah. Abramovich comes in, who's qualified for the Champions League most often? Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal. Uh, us prior to. Mm-hmm. Oh, t- to 2010 mm. us obviously well more than Man City since 2010 Man City well more than us yeah. and then Spurs as well as sort of new but it's noticeable that Man United Chelsea and Arsenal still now still winning trophies still making finals Paul still absolutely doing the business and we are entitled to say but this is the path the path towards being like that winning those trophies is consistent for top four finishes that's the reality that we've got to deal with we've got to consistently do this and then we'll start doing that as well you you and I talk a lot about this on the on the review and it's it, look look at Man United. I, I I'm big on this in general life. M- model excellence. If you want to do anything in your life, pick someone who's doing the thing you want to do and copy what they do. And we talk about Man City a lot, and we talk about United. We talk about Alex Ferguson. What have United done every time they've dropped out the Champions League? They've continued acting aggressively as the best club in the world. Mm-hmm. That's how they act all the time. By Doesn't matter money. what's happening. By spending money. Yeah. Throwing money at it. Yeah. Because yeah. when we go, well, we're not in the Champions League, so we can't buy those players. They go, watch this. Watch what we'll do. We'll buy your best player. Watch. We'll just go and buy Arsenal's best player in January when you're all talking about not being able to buy other teams, play, other players from other yeah. teams. Crazy. They behave like the best all the time. And that's got to be I'll the aim you, and constantly. And I'll tell you another... Because I'm now working amongst um, several Manchester United fans, their fans have that same mentality as well. Uh, and, you know, it, it's actually quite hurtful for me to listen to it because you, you actually realise... You get outside your Liverpool bubble... And you actually realise how you're perceived, and you, how you're perceived by your enemies, by your by your greatest enemy. Let's face it, um, and and actually our peers, if you like, in, in in a battle currently for these you know these Champions League places, they've got a much stronger fan mentality, and that's that's a drop down from the mentality of their football club. And as Paul says, there they don't finish in the soft fourth. They say, look at this, we're going to go out and spend two hundred fifty million pounds. Now the the financial models of the two clubs are different. The level of spend. 
the it, potential spend is, is is different, but it's but there's still a principle about the way that you spend money, how aggressive you are. And as it stands, Liverpool Football Club is not being aggressive, and Manchester United continue to be aggressive. I mean, and we're three points behind them before we all start no, lauding them as this amazing that, achievement. That's you know, right. All this money they've spent that you talked but, about. And that's a perfectly valid point, John. But you know what? You'd, you'd be on a sure of footing if you were saying, but you know what? We're three points ahead of them. I know. Well, well I mean, well, you're pushing three ridiculous in the last two seasons. And we haven't. And we haven't. But yeah. they've won those three trophies because they've had years of Champions League qualifications, Champions League yeah. money, creating a Champions League squad. We've only managed to do it twice this decade. And one of them was last year, and by the way. And, so and, and, and as a result, as a knock-on effect, we've won, we've won bugger all as well. And that's, well that's, and that's my point. My point is that you get the mentality by repeatedly qualifying for that tournament mm. and, then you get the, and then you get the quality players and you keep the quality players. You've got 20 of them minimum knocking around and then suddenly and before you know where you are, you're reaching semi-finals, you're reaching a, finals and you're winning them that's and that's why you've got to focus on everything. No, I agree. Agreed, and I think I think for, and for, to justify, and the we'll peak, finish ahead of them as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> we may well do. Let's hope so. Um, but I think that the the point I'm going to justify the claims of people who do fixate over finishing in the, in the top four. But I reckon there's a justification for that that perhaps they don't even get. And the, and the justification is that that is the means to actually eventually win stuff because for for all the reasons that you're stating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Having said that, having said that, I think a lot of the people that accept top four or think that top four is the aim, don't actually have that aim about they're, they're content with the fourth place. They're content with being in the Champions League. There's literally no point in being in the Champions League unless you unless you think you can win it. We haven't particularly benefited from it either time. Uh, we qualified in the last 10 No, years. we haven't. We haven't, but that's we haven't took advantage of it. And maybe maybe it's because it's one year and I understand that. But, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not been this... Suddenly, all, all these other players have opened up for us. It, no, it, you know, that's, it you've hasn't got, happened. With I that. think you've got to do it back to back. You've got to keep doing it, and that's why it is a massive deal. You do it back to back, and you'll absolutely kick on. And before you know where you are, if you do it, have, have a decent, you, you 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 scout reasonably well. You've made nine pretty big transfers. Seven of them have come off to par or better. We're gonna to have to talk about the Spurs game, Ted. Quick, we've well, got two minutes left. I was just gonna say, but this is why games like Sunday are really important. You should stomp all over Spurs because not only then are you putting your foot down in the marker for the top four, you, you sh- you're exerting your dominance over a team that's not as good as you, a club that's not as good as you. So next time they're in the market for the same player we are, we can say they're not as good as us. Full stop. Yeah, That's what, it. What's that last game between us? And the, and the most well, recent, the, the most recent the, sample the of Spurs versus summer? Liverpool is Spurs 4, Liverpool 1. Liverpool need to turn that on, on its head on Sunday. And are we going now? Yeah, absolutely. If if the people who visit Anfield go in with the aggression and the mentality that Paul spoke of before, that every Liverpool fan that came from my era, that, that mentality was bred into us as supporters from our dads and also watching that team, uh, one of whom was Kenny Dalglish, by the way. Uh, Carius and goal, um, Carius and goal, Gomez, v- uh, Van Dijk, probably Matip, uh, Robertson, Henderson, Wijnaldum, uh, Chan. Um, the front three Firmino, Salah, Mane Anyone disputing that? No No I don't think we've gotten any, anyone else have we? Predictions John? Uh, Liverpool win 3-1 Mike? I'll go I'll go 2-1 Liverpool Ok Paul? 2-1 same 2-1 same Everyone fancying it on Sunday Against Tottenham Hotspur They come to town Liverpool half past four on a Sunday Should be a great atmosphere Should be a great game One for the Reds to get absolutely stuck into Because we should not be looking backwards We shouldn't be tolerating Arsenal We should only be looking upwards And at Manchester United And proving we're the second best team in the country Up the Reds Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs> 